bada bing. Hi everyone, it's me, Paulie from Rat Depot, back with another episode of Rat Depot FM called, and obviously my extensive edit room will insert the name of this, um, presumably through a sort of text-to-speech voice. Me and Jimmy just went on a big... I should probably introduce Jimmy first before I go on a rant about what me and Jimmy just did. Mm. Jimmy is... Do you want to introduce yourself, Jimmy? And then I'll tell you how I would have introduced you. That sounds terrifying, but sure. Yeah. Um, I'm Jimmy. I'm uh, just a guy, really. I don't know. I don't really have a thing to promote or a thing that I do. Um, but I wrote something for Dad, Rad Depot, and I'm planning to write more for Rad Depot. So that's, that's I guess that's, that's my deal. I I don't know how to feel about the fact that you've reduced yourself down to writing for Rat Depot. <laughs> that's, you search deep within yourself and all you could come up with is I've written for Rat Depot. Um, so Jimmy is a, a writer, a very, very good one, a historian, a very, very good one, and a friend, also a very, very good one. Me and Jimmy have been friends since we kept bumping into each other at house parties. Uh, at university we actually i don't think we were ever on a module together because our historical interests are completely different um yeah so we were never in the same thing so i actually never met jimmy through our course which is hilarious because uh, we did the same course at the same uni and then we just run into house parties at mutual friends houses i actually have a selfie from uh oh, from very one of the very first ones sorry one of the very last ones in third year and the caption on it was Jimmy in like all caps. Um yeah. and there we go. And then we we both were deciding on doing a master's in York at the same time. And we lived together for another whole year. And we used to get drunk and play poker and throw knives around and do do sloppy drunken press ups and uh well yeah, we did we didn't get many press ups done. I think that's sort of a no. misrepresentation of our time at that flat, but just sort of a very, yeah. very feral, chaotic, COVID-induced existence. Um, oh, well, you gave you gave me a mullet, and I shaved your head. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. And the 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 razor died halfway through, so <laughs> I looked like a crackhead for <laughs> probably a day. I don't think I went you were, outside. Until... You wore a lot of hats. Yeah, I had to order a charger for the. Basically, I'd I'd left the, ch- the charger in Brighton uh, and was now living in York and was basically just relying on the razor to work uh, for as long as possible. And I probably got through maybe five or six shaves before it died. Um, yeah, and the sixth was unfortunately my head, so just had patches of long hair and short hair on the sides and back and sides of my head. And I remember when it died. Uh, you and the guys we lived with were just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I, and I think you were all panicking that I was going to freak out. But I was like, I kind of expected this to happen and just did it anyway. Um, I love people like, minimizing it by being like, oh, it's not that bad, actually. And you look yourself and you were just like, I don't know, fucking idiot. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, good times. Anyway, yeah. so that's how I know Jimmy. And then, yeah, so Jimmy, if any of you read one of the last letters, wasn't the last one, there was one before that could beat the boss that was written by the Jimmy that we are now speaking to. That was a very, very long tangent and introduction, but here we are. Have you had a chance yeah. to read Rat to E4? 
I did. Um, that was all about chess, wasn't it? And you brought yeah, up the Pixar chess shot, which yes. is one of those things I think is so indelibly seared in my brain. Isn't that it? If I think about chess or old men, I just have that old man face, you know? It's he... so properly animated. It's really, considering it came out in 1998, if you look at what was sort of um, what they made around that time, right? Mm. They made Toy Story. Obviously, that was a few years prior, and I know there was like massive leaps in, in that sort of technology every year. Yeah. But Toy Story is 1995. Toy Story looks like absolute dog shit. It does um, look a bit like The humans are absolutely terrifying, even the ones that, you know, aren't necessarily meant to look terrifying. Yeah. And you know in Toy Story 2, the cleaner that cleans up Woody, like sews his arm yeah. back on and whatever. Yeah. Obviously that that guy looks exactly like Jerry. Yeah. And I think like, like sorry, go on. That, that's partly like intentional. Um but also I think like if you compare Toy Story to Monsters Inc., um, which I think I don't know if Monsters Inc. was the next one, but that certainly came out like very early two thousand. Yeah, um, I think it, it was 2001 or something like that, maybe. I don't know my um, like Pixar meta well enough to know what came first, Toy Story 2 or Monsters, Inc. Or Bugs Life, even. But like, I feel see, like there was leaps and bounds between them. And you can see that, whatever it's called, Jerry Chess, <laughs> fits right in that middle. And you can really see the leaps and bounds they make um, in between. So... Bugs Life was 98 because um, Jerry's game was t- attached to Bugs Life. You know, Pixar right. used to attach, well, they'd still do to yeah. an extent, used to attach a short to the front of, um, what was it, the back? Yeah. I can't remember. It was at the front, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so Bugs Life was the one it was attached to. Um, yeah. Toy Story 2 was 1999, so it was a year later. Right. And yeah, Toy Story was 95, and then Monsters, Inc. was two- 2001. Um don't know if it was pre or post 9-11 it was post 9-11 <laughs> there you go what actually sorry it was post 9-11 in the uk i don't know whether it might right be. i don't know if it was, so it was possible the that last people pre-9-11 watching... pixar film sorry but what it was so it's possible people in america were watching monsters inc while 9-11 was happening they were in the cinema the thing <laughs> is you, you wouldn't have um you wouldn't have you know you did, people didn't have mobile phones Really, no. And if you did it, what you didn't have Wi-Fi, you didn't have data, so like no. your phone would probably be off because you're in the mm-hmm. cinema, and you come out and you're like, "Fucking hell, that that banged!" And then you open your phone up, and it's like <laughs> the thing is, if you opened your phone, it's not as if people would be calling you non-stop at no. eleven. So really, you'd have to wait until you went somewhere or saw it on the news or on the radio, I guess. Well, because of American time zone, nine eleven happened in New York, which is the furthest forward, which yeah. meant that no one would have been able to watch Monsters Inc. on that day until the evening or later in the day. They would have had to have found out about nine eleven and then be like, Shit. right, time for Monsters Inc. Okay, kids. Uh, <laughs> TVs are kind of off limits. We're going to have to go and look at the TV. TV. Yeah, TV's just going to be the news all day, so let's go watch Monsters, Inc. <clears throat> well, they after 9-11, I think American TV was sort of um, censored to a degree that they didn't show certain things. Like, I think Die Hard wasn't allowed to be shown on TV for yeah a few years because of 9-11. Uh, 
there's a particular Simpsons episode where they go to New York and it features the Twin Towers very prominently. Yeah. They didn't that for about 10 years afterwards. Yeah. There was a, wasn't there a, like a 9-11 Friends episode? Well, there was a Friends episode that was meant to air like, or if Friends yeah. ended at that point. I can't remember. No, Friends, Friends went on to like 2004. Um, Jesus. I'm pretty sure Joey after 9-11 is wearing a fire department of New York t-shirt. But I think that's about as far as they go to acknowledge it. Right. Um, but Which there was odd, they did given they're all New Yorkers, you know. Yeah, and, but they did re-edit Lilo and Stitch. Yes, there's a book yeah, yeah, it with yeah. the spaceship going with the skyscrapers, or is a plane or a spaceship or something that looks very much like a plane, and they re-edited it out. No, it's fully a plane. It's a plane. Is it fully a plane? Yeah, and then they reskinned it to be like a spaceship. Oh, um, yeah, okay. it's a plane like dodging buildings, and then they had to re edit it to be not a plane, not dodging massive buildings. Um, yeah, wow. What I was going to say about Joe's game on the on the <laughs> before we started talking about 9 <laughs> is um, I, I kind of hope Jerry died before 9 11 happened just so they didn't have to go through that. Um, yeah. So what I was going to say about the guy in Toy Story 2 is it's never been consciously sort of acknowledged that they're the same person. Mm. Some people think it's an Easter egg or like a little nod. Mm. And some people argue, sorry, we ordered again. Some people argue, oh, hello, Goop. My cat's on my lap. Um, Some people argue that actually it's because they didn't have that many models of um, humans. And they were like, we have this one. Let's use it again. So yeah, I think some people have pointed out that it is essentially the exact same person. Um, mm. And whether or not it's deliberately Jerry or whether it's meant just literally Jerry's husk, Jerry's fucking inanimate body, um, yeah. is up for debate. I, I think it's Jerry. I think that's quite cool. I just like the I idea think... of a man that spends his weekends playing chess with himself and then on weekdays is like mending toys like what a fucking crazy guy i think it makes a lot of sense for it to be like a reused asset because like if you spent all this time making like bugs life um making crazy little bugs and then you're like well to make some more money we want to make a sequel to toy story it's great because it'll be cheap because we could just reuse all the other assets and just touch them up it would make sense for them just to grab something out of like that toy store, that Bugs Life short, and just drop them in. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry to ruin the movie magic. Um, yeah, sorry, um, people. I don't know who's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's interesting that because yeah, so Jerry's game was where it started. Um, what was your favorite bit of the letter? Was it Jerry? Yeah, yeah, I think that was the thing. But really, what did I think you that was think of the? If you if you managed to listen to it, what did you think of One Night in Bangkok? You don't have to have listened to it. I did um, not listen to it. I'm very sorry. That's probably a good thing. It's it, it's really it's crazy. It's wild. Like obviously you might know what it's about, but there's like this very grand sort of menacing or like a uh, grand um like orchestral intro. And then it transitions yeah. genuinely within about half a second to a like eighties like pop song. That's yeah. that's the first sin. If we were doing a kind of cinema sin style takedown of this song, there's also just all the lines are obviously very corny because it's a musical. Um, yeah, 
and sorry, I, I have headphones in plugged up by a wire, plugged in like with a wire, and Goop is going fucking nuts for it. Um, I don't know what it is with cats and cats and wires. Um, you can the get noodles not that important. I really it doesn't really have attention unless you were like to dangle it in front of her like an actual toy. Yeah, tends to just kind of even be. Oh, okay, each to their own, I guess. Yeah, it's just okay. goofing little bastard. Yeah, give me a silly, silly bitch. She's not chewing the wire, so hopefully it doesn't, she doesn't chew through it and kill herself. Um, <clears throat> yeah, one night Bangkok was yeah, it was it was crazy, and I just find all of the layers of that production just just baffling. Like the fact that two yeah. ABBA musicians worked on it, uh, Benny Bjorn, yeah. and it's somehow about the Cold War, and also chess. And also is very horny and also just slightly I don't want to say racist, but it's like quite orientalist in the sense it's very like Oh, the East is so mysterious. Oh Christ, yeah. Keep your I secrets mean... to yourself. It's like, oh is it that mysterious really? I think like that kind of thing with like particularly like eighties Cold War media is really funny, but like how cokey it can be. Um yeah. Just really cocaine. That that to me screams cocaine core where it's like picture any of the characters of Boogie Nights and they could have been involved in it. Um I think is a really good metric of if something's cocaine core. Um Oh yeah. That's a, that's an interesting um, uh, comparison. <laughs> but um I, I I that being said, I do really appreciate some good cocaine core. I could something see Dirk Diggler in one night in Bangkok to be fair. Yeah, just something where it's like it's like, I mean, Cats, the musical. I mean, Xanadu, the one about roller skates. Uh, um, the one where they're all trains. Oh, no, that's the Starlight Express. That's Starlight cocaine Express, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I guess. I think Starlight Express is like, like drinking an entire bottle of wine and having some like very like general medicine. And then having just the weirdest dreams of your life. I think it's more like that. I think it, it screams to me, oh, one more line and we'll crack it. Um, Starlight Express is like when Tony Soprano has those fever dreams. Yeah, that's when he has point. When he has the flu. I can yeah. imagine him dreaming of Starlight Express. Um, but yeah, it was cool because like, I, don't, I don't really know why I chose chess. I think it was just like I've been playing a lot of chess on chess.com yeah because it, because honestly the sound it makes when you move and when you like take a piece is like one of the most satisfying noises ever do you play chess on chess.com uh no no i haven't done since we had that chess league ah oh, i forgot so in, in our old flat we had a chess league uh we also had a poker league um yeah and none of us were especially good I wouldn't say. And I think the chess league sort of fell apart, but yeah. But my interest peaked again, started doing doing chess. I just find it fascinating as well, and I touched upon this in the letter a bit, is like the vast array of chess AIs, right? Mm. Do you know anything about this? Do you have any thoughts on this before I go off on one? Um, Not really. I think my interest in chess is like how fun it is as a... Like, I think you it, it's really funny how it can hold a mirror up to, like, European civilization in a very broad sense. 
like there was like the romantic era of chess is something that I find absolutely hilarious as a concept that there were basically this con this like chess concept where you had to play with this sort of aggress really aggressive artistic style that was all about taking pieces and if someone offered up a sacrifice you were like honorably obliged to take it it's really different from like very like data-driven very analytical modern chess which is all about incrementally making the right moves and i just think the idea that there was like a romantic era of chess in like the mid 19th century is really funny because it's that's something that appeals to me about chess is sort of like this weird kind of pastime of like aristocrats where they sort of got these sort of sub rules and culture of chess um and i find that more interesting than like it becoming more like a modern data-driven style sport where it's all about like you know marginal gains professionalization um i think that's mainly because i don't find the game chess all that compelling to me personally wow um, i found it fun when i played it but i was never like one of those people where like i could get super into chess um, that surprises me well it doesn't surprise me because i knew you weren't that bothered at the time but more like on a surface level i would have assumed you were a chess man but yeah I get what you're saying because it's an interesting point. Like I watch Gotham Chess on YouTube, and he's just like a he's a I don't know whether he's a grandmaster actually. He might uh, he might be. He's very very good, mm. and um, he makes videos like analyzing other people's chess games and stuff. I just watched a video he did on uh, Hikaru Nakamura's perfect game, where he had a hundred percent accuracy in the game. Like he he didn't make one inaccurate move, one bad move, whatever. Yeah, uh, and won the game. And it's what you're talking about, where it's like he's he's like they've memorized the like every type of opening, and they've memorized like the variations in the opening that they go for, and then it's literally like he explains how like basically this one move that the opposition did, the opposition also being like a grandmaster, um, mm. made that sort of like and like that was it, like that ended the game, and it's very, yeah, I think I think. That's what I was kind of getting at with chess AI and stuff. Um, it's gotten to the point where, yeah, there is a perfect game and there is like a, yeah, like a sequence of events that can just happen. And if you met, it's not it's not that deterministic, but it's very like you'll win most of your games if you can follow this process more accurately than someone else. Um, I take the grandmaster. I mean, the world champion uh, Magnus Carlsen, who you yeah. know, a lot of people argue is the best chess player of all time. He knows the moves from like games he's played against people in the past, and he knows like hundreds of them, if not thousands. And that sounds yeah. ridiculous, but someone tested him on it and basically like would set up the board a certain way. And Magnus was yeah. like, Oh, yeah, that's that game I played in like 2011 against this guy. And it's like, How the fuck can you know that? And that is just robotic, like, that's just an obsession and an a memorization of the process to such a degree that you can sort of just like whip out a certain opening or whatever or a, a mid game that just wins so i get what you mean it is funnier to be slightly drunk and, and just fucking pieces or like just bleeding pieces uh, yeah. with your mates i think that's the that's the romance of it um and i think like you know magnus carlson could play a marquise from like 1813 and absolutely wallop him, but that Marquise would then challenge him to a duel and murder him in cold blood. So, see, I thought um, you were, I thought you were comparing him to Marquis and I was Marquise, and I was like, he doesn't have the source. He's he's a relatively sourceless man. 
playing this card. Yes. Also that, yeah, like drip. Come on. Yeah. Um, like Hikaru's Hikaru's kind of got got some source. I'd say Gotham yeah. Chess has a fair amount of source. Mm. But yeah, as a world champion, you would expect him to have more source. And he is just a yeah. bit a bit sort of boring in that regard. Um yeah. so yeah, if Magnus Carlson, if you're listening to this, uh fuck you. No, I'm kidding. Magnus Carlson, I didn't mean that. I'd like to play against Magnus Carlson just to see what, what would happen. Um but Let's move on because I feel like my current interest in chess probably does not reflect the the general vibe of the people listening, including you. I would so like to feel on. like chess is big at the moment. Everyone's people talk about chess a lot. Um, that's yeah, that's that's what sort of made me want to write it. Like I see it on Instagram all the time. Yeah. Um, and YouTube. I know that it's just I know it's algorithmic, so sort of. You know, if I like enough chess stuff, then Instagram's like, here's a million chess things. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, no, it is it is all over the place and it's quite big. And you get Twitch streamers that have no idea what they're doing playing it. And I think people enjoy that because it's like, I think it's quite nice if you take a Twitch streamer or a YouTuber or whoever that you already like. And then they sort of go on the journey of trying to get good at chess. I think that's yeah. quite cool to watch and you see them like improve and go from sort of embarrassing themselves it's like the point it's like the point i made in um the letter that uh, charlie white um oh. whose youtube name is moist critical pretty sure uh no his youtube name is penguins anyway he beat xqc who i don't watch but xqc was tutored for that game by hikaru nakamura the grand grandmaster so it was yeah. just funny to see charlie who's like a silly man kind of beat this guy who'd been mentored by one of the best chess players ever. Um, so yeah, I see. there is something very like you can, uh, you know, if, if I put the effort, in, for example, I could go from like, you know, absolutely crap at chess to like decent, yeah, and able to beat people on like chess.com or whatever, yeah, yeah. But if I would say start playing loads of football again, I would still be crap at it because. <laughs> I'm I'm a smoker and I don't take care of myself that well and I have no dexterity. Whereas, like, I feel like chess is a lot more people are a lot more easy to get basically just to get better at it and to practice. And How do you think you do it? Chess boxing. But what the fuck is chess boxing? Have you not seen chess boxing? Oh my god! Or is it when they do a round of boxing and then they go back and play like three minutes of chess and get back in the ring to do more boxing? Yeah, that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, I think I'd be terrible at it because I'd be terrible at both parts. Um, also, that sounds exactly like something out of like a fucking Wu Tang Clan album, like Come to Life. It's so good. I like. I think I, my mind would be on the other thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I was in the chess <laughs> phase, I would be like, yeah. oh, "How can I beat this guy at boxing?" And then in the boxing <laughs> phase, I'd be like, "Oh, look at the move he just made," and I would get twatted. I would get yeah. absolutely wiped. Um, yeah. But it is a very fun sport. I feel like it's taken over from... Do you remember when slap tournaments were like the big thing? Everyone yes. was obsessed with watching slap tournaments, which I never really understood. They they look brutal. I, like, I watched a few of them, and it just looks like... You know how like there's a whole thing in boxing where like a lot of boxers end up with like brain damage or whatever? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like you are get you are explicit. You're giving yourself brain damage. Yeah. Know? 
Yeah. Like you're not even wearing gloves. You're just being hit around the head until you're unconscious. Um, I think just like people, people just love gravitating to like what new silly way can we watch two men just kick the shit out of each other? Um, yeah. Um, particularly as like boxing becomes just more and more of a little bit of a joke. Um, people just love finding whatever is alternative to that. Yeah, that's very um, true. Boxing is just like whoever wants to throw some gloves on. I am. Uh, I don't know how much to go into this, but I, I like. Obviously, I don't have TikTok anymore. But when I did, there, there's sort of a roster of British TikTokers who people may know, like Chef Dave and a guy called John, I think, and Hal right. the Dragon, and people like that. This probably means absolutely nothing to you. But my point is, right, is that I you don't really need to know who they are because I left TikTok and then um, I saw it kind of bled into Instagram and I saw the same people I used to watch and they were all doing boxing. Like not as not like as a full time thing, but they'd all been like, I'm going to challenge, you know, the next nearest person to like a celebrity or like a micro celebrity boxing match and I can make a few quid. And it's like a, it's everywhere. Yeah. And just just seeing them try to manufacture beef with with people that they clearly just are completely indifferent to. Like yeah. I saw one, there was a guy a TikTok. I can't remember his name, and the guy who fought Chef Dave, and he was stood outside a Poundland, no exaggeration, with his daughter, and he was like, "They've gone too far this time. They've, they've brought family into it, and it, they just sound bored even while they're saying it." I'm like. I feel like boxers used to like actually want to kill each other, or maybe they were just better at lying. But but these guys are just like, ah, oh, really gonna have to really gonna have to punch him, aren't I, in the ring? Yeah, like, like he's I, just trying to make bank. I've like read some books about like the history of boxing, and people did really love it and want to watch it and treat it like an actual sport. And I think now it's just, I mean. I could have been saying this in 1963, I could have been saying this in 1993, or I could be saying this in 2023. That was actually really convenient that those were 30 year increments. I did not find that. Um, But, like, it seems like it's just become such an easy cash grab for people where they could just throw on some gloves and kick the shit out of each other and YouTube will stream it and then people will watch it. Because it seems like just the ultimate way to sell any kind of really minor internet beef. Um, Yeah. But, like, People did really care about it, um, but I think it's because it's like, I don't know why they selected boxing. I think it's kind of easier to learn to box, but like, or at least look half competent at it. Um, It's a spectacle. It's a one-off event. Yeah. And I think there's just no integrity in it anyway. I think um, boxing is sort of billed as a thing that might happen once or twice. Like, yeah, y- you know, like Floyd and uh, mcgregor mayweather mcgregor it's like that happened that really just happened once and that's why they made so much money yeah maybe yeah. this all does stem from that because it i was think like, that really did open the box yeah it's like this boxer who's never lost a fight fighting an mma fighter and it op- yeah it opens the door to like <sighs> mma is obviously oh uh increasingly seen as you know, legitimate, whatever, but yeah. um well it is. That's not that's not really like a take. But I just mean back then and before then it wasn't it didn't have the same sort of prestige as boxing. 
Um, whereas now it's arguably as big. It's an interesting conversation. Yeah. It's not, really nothing to do with Rat Depot. It's just us chatting shit, isn't it? Um, yeah, and none of us really have much of a vested interest in either of these sports. I um, that's yeah, that's a good point. I don't give a fuck about boxing. How the fuck I don't give a fuck. If boxing ended tomorrow, I don't think it I'd care. No. How the fuck did we get here? Chess boxing. There you go. Chess boxing. So how did you um so obviously you, you wrote Beat the Boss for at Depot. Yeah. Where did that interest come from? Other than literally like I know you played the games and <laughs> saw <laughs> saw these things in games, but like you really know. boring. The answer is actually that I had played Night in the Woods and Kentucky Route Zero really close together and then also became unemployed. Well, I finished my master's degree and didn't have a job, so nice, I had time. Yeah. But basically, that's it. And I was just like, it's really weird. But I mean, it's not weird because they're both games which are really focused on America following, particularly rural, sm- well, small town America in like old mining old like coal mining places and the effect of like the financial crash in 2008 on the on like small communities it's really not surprising that they linger on mines and the downfall not downfall i suppose but like the decay that came after the closure and sort of atrophying of of like coal mining in particular so it's not really surprising that these two games sort of chime each other it is possibly more surprising that i managed to play them basically one after the other. I was going to say, was that deliberate or was it just like that? It was kind of just like, I want to play these two games. And then um, I was also playing Hades around at the same time and that got me into reading about roguelikes. So that's why I stumbled onto Moria. And I'm a massive Tolkien head, so it was really easy for me to start thinking about, holy shit, so many video games basically follow just the Moria um, route, as I call it. Like, if you think about the film, The First Fellowship of the Ring, where, where they enter into the minds of Moria, they initially see something's not right, they do a bit of an exploring, then they fight some little goblins, and then they fight a cave troll, and then it escalates to a Balrog, and it's sort of, and then they escape, or they beat it, or whatever. And it has this very video gamey escalation, um, particularly as they get deeper into the mining, explore it deeper and deeper, and understand more of it. And it has a sort of thing where I thought that's so much like dungeons and I sort of my first sort of ugly draft of it were really just about the influence of Lord of the Rings on video games. So Tolkien was the original gamer is what you're saying? Basically yeah Yeah. Um, but then again saying that Tolkien is a massive influence on fantasy and therefore video games is really quite well duh Um, but I thought it was really interesting how these environments which are usually used just to battle each other in, or sort of battle monsters, are being used in these two other games in completely different ways. Um, yeah. And sort of tapped into a much older vein of literature. And that's why I wanted to bring up Germinal, because this is something that isn't new, in a sense. I mean, the mines were opened in 1890s France, and 18, when the book was set, which is a few decades beforehand. But these relationships aren't new and I think it's really interesting that sort of the Tolkien idea of minds has sort of completely occluded this sort of much older labour history and histories of working class solidarity and the effect of like the brutality of like um, industrial capitalism and workers and everything 
that the sort of fantasy mine has completely replaced that in like how video games are made, even though and video games aren't different from any other form of medium, I don't think. Um, like they take on from other parts of culture, so I don't think it's necessarily a video game thing. But I just thought it was interesting that there are these two very divergent paths. That's very true. And I, I think um I think uh you do see mines in, in video games. Um mainly horror games now, I would say. Yeah. Like have you played um uh Outlast or Outlast Two? No, I've not played either, hence why they didn't show up, because finding a third way in which mines are in video games is definitely <laughs> something I want to do. No, I'm a massive baby when it comes to video game horror, so I've never played them. I thought when you said that, you were like, uh, no, I haven't, which is why it wasn't in the letter, you dumb bitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't fucking ask me again. Um, <laughs> no, no, but yeah, I think in Outlast 2, there's a there's a prolonged section in, in mines. Um, yeah. uh, you know, there's like still mine carts down there, and it's set in, I want to say, sort of like rural southern US. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd not. I'd not. I, obviously, at the time, I was just scared shitless, so I, I don't think I really thought too deeply about these lines in that game. You're, you're terrified of BC, so you're thinking about fucking industrial capitalism. And, yeah, weirdly, I wasn't. Know, um, the dialectic of labor relations, class struggle. I was actually living in the center of York, and my friend Harvey would come round to play it, and we used yeah. to just whip out like vodka. And drink vodka cokes and play this game yeah. and get drunk <laughs> drunk to the point where we weren't scared anymore and then would progress through the game. Yeah. So, I think that's the only way I could play a game like that. Yeah. It to be honest, once you figure out the sort of like the AI of the the monsters and whatever, it's actually not that like they chase you in a specific way. And once you figure out like what their deal is, you can sort of like cheese it and you know like move past them in a specific way that means they're not sort of on your ass the whole time yeah it's a good game and the end ending's pretty cool um i think i don't want to spoil it but the antichrist is involved sick um yes yeah, so it could be up your street um not saying just for the listeners i'm not saying jim is jimmy is, is pro antichrist just saying the concept of an antichrist is probably interesting i don't know yeah he like could... a good antichrist yeah According to Zoom, we have three minutes left, so we're going to have to be really compact. So I'm going to do a little game with you that I've just invented, and I don't even know how I'm going to do it. So you have to say yes or no to the questions I'm about to ask you, and you can't elaborate at all. Okay. And that's going to make you want to die. Right. Do you think J.R.R. Tolkien should ever be adapted again? Yes. Damn, now I want to ask a follow-up question. I'm breaking my own rules. Um, okay. Uh, I've run out of questions already. That's actually the, the question that I wanted to ask, so I'm going to ask you to elaborate slightly. Okay. Do you think um, there's still scope in his stories to be franchises? Because yeah. it's almost like they made three iconic films and they've yeah. been chasing that ever since. That's my thought. Yeah. Um, I mean, no one's touched... I'm going to get real fucking nerdy, which is that Rings of Power, which I have not watched, is purely a second age set story. So that involves uh, the first war of the Ring and Sauron. 
they didn't even touch or they might have done i didn't watch it because i was too sad about them making it on amazon but um and also hearing that it was crap so i never really bothered but yeah. no one's touched no one's touched the quintus um because no one's done the silmarillion the original um war between the elves and melkor and i would absolutely love someone to do that because but only if it was an absolute madman who did it like who would you who would you put in put in the driver's seat like if i wanted it to be good someone like dave eggers only because of how good the northman was um ah come on but maybe someone even weirder than that i don't think david eggers could do it I don't know, but if I wanted it to be shit, there's no um, scale down. to to David Eggers' films at all. They're, they're pretty small, pretty compact, you know. Um, Not... If I wanted, if I wanted it to be shit and hilarious, I'd get Darren Aronofsky because of Noah, which is wow. basically. Wow. <laughs> I don't, Darren Aronofsky makes films I mostly fucking hate. You hear um... it here first, folks. Jimmy. In an act of pure self-loathing, wants Darren Aronofsky to direct <laughs> a Tolkien adaptation. That's like, the first and possibly last time that will ever be said by anyone. <laughs> Requiem for a Dream is my least favorite film of all time. I wow. fucking hate that movie more than anything else in the world. But I we're think out, we're out of time, and I'm Fuck. so I sad because that no, Jimmy, it. we're gonna have to shut it down. Zoom's, <laughs> gonna, Zoom's gonna shut it down for you. Like we're gonna be gone. You just hit the, the really the hottest take I've got. Oh my god. Sit. Right, we'll be back. We'll be back. But yeah. So Zoom Zoom actually censored us then. Um Yeah. I, I, my take was too fucking hot. Zoom saw where Jimmy was going and said, You're done. You're done. Yeah. Shut the lid. Yeah. Walk away. Touch grass. So where we um, were was that you were saying that Darren Aronofsky should make the next Tolkien film. <laughs> Listen, um, the reason behind this is I think one, you wouldn't get anything like Warcraft or like another really commercial committee made fantasy movie. And it would also probably be shit, but in a very unique way. And I think Darren Aronofsky, sometimes when he makes shit movies, they're shit in a really normal way, like The Whale or. Um, fucking Requiem for a Dream, which I fucking hate. Or they're shit in a really interesting way, which is you had to be shit from start to fit. It's not lazy shit. It's like you have to work to be the shit. And I think Noah and to a lesser extent Mother hit that level of shit where it's like you had to work really hard to make this bad. So I think that's the reason why I would like Evil Jimmy would say have him make a Tolkien adaptation because I think it would be very singular and I think that's the best thing for an IP like Lord of the Rings. I don't want it to be a Marvel. I want it to be either you swing for the fences or don't bother. Right, Um, I'm going to give my... Okay, I'll do the same as you. I'm going to give my safe option. Yeah. And then I'll... I don't know if you can hear Goop. And then I'll give my my rancid option. Gotcha. Okay. My safe option is obviously Guillermo del Toro. It just makes yes. sense. He That's the correct it. answer. He should have done The Hobbit. He yeah. backed out because of Pacific Rim, which is honestly one of the worst things that's ever happened to humans. I don't give a shit. Pacific Rim is a fantastic movie. It's my one of my favourite kaiju movies. And was, it I don't worth, 
Was it worth butchering the Hobbit? Um, no, no, it wasn't. I don't know. It's a flo- it's a coin flip for me. Really? Honestly, it's a coin flip. It's a coin flip. Lord of the Rings is the thing that's closest to my heart, not the Hobbit. The Hobbit I love. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the thing I felt the strongest about. If the okay, if you could take Pacific Rim or one Hobbit film, maybe two, made by Del Toro, like you split it in half, perhaps. What would you choose? See, but I have Pacific Rim already. Why would I make? Why would I choose something I don't even know about yet? You know, like I've okay. got Pacific Rim. I've got the Shatter Dome. I have Stacker Pentecost. I don't. You know, that's okay. enough. That's my safe option. My rancid option. I'm not really giving this much thought. Um, go on. Zack Snyder. I really hate that you said that. <laughs> Listen, the spectacle See, would be there. The spectacle would be there. Do you know everything I just said about interesting and boring shit? You've just picked the king of boring shit. There'd be so much... Yeah, but he's got source material. The, the problem is no. when he's fucking flying around doing his own thing. Like, no, the thing is... Though, him exactly Goya. Like, he, he has to make... Imagine Goya to... write, like, writing the screenplay for a Tolkien film. The problem with Zack Snyder is he has no visuals to nick. Like, the amount of times in his Superman and fucking Batman movies, he just takes stuff directly from a Frank Miller comic and then pretends yeah. that... Well, pretend, but uses it to spice up his visuals. Yeah. It's like, he can't do that with Tolkien because he can't... Tol- Zack Snyder cannot do a hand-drawn dragon. No, but he would f- he'd find influences from other films, I think is the thing. But he couldn't yeah, do it. Yeah. How could... He, uh, no, that's a bad answer. It's a hot take, but... Jimmy, it was the, a rancid take, that's the thing. It kind of had to yeah. be. I still it think it would be better than Darren Aronofsky's. Yes. Darren Aronofsky's <laughs> would be focused on, like, two characters. He'd probably, like, rip up the book. It would be, like, ten pages of the book stretched out to, like, two hours. But if I want a man to, to really hammer home the really obvious biblical connections, that's the man to do it. Yes, so Zack Zach Schneider literally made Superman Jesus. So uh, you've got some competition there. True. I would say. Yeah. He made him as Jesus as he could be. He put him in a church in the first one and then yeah. killed him and then had him come back to life. I realized we got you onto Superman, which is truly your. Is this uh... Superman, is... Superman is your Tolkien. Um... It probably, yeah, it probably is to an extent. Yeah. In the sense that there are some good ones. Well, there's two good ones from a long yeah. time ago, and no one's figured it out since. <laughs> yeah, no one's managed to hit that. Yeah. Have you read? Have you read Alan Moore's book um, or short story, which isn't very short? And um, what we can know about Thunderman? No. He's basically I've I've gotten deep into an Alan Moore phase recently that I'm never going to climb out of. Okay. And um, he recently released a collection of short stories. And one of them is about 180, 200 pages long, basically a novella just about the comics industry called What We Can Know About Thunderman. And as an, as I think there are some like very decent criticisms for it, but as the most Alan Moore thing could be written about the comics industry, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Rips Norton Entertainment to watch him completely just suplex so many people from the comics industry. And yeah. it all has 
of really good stuff about the treatment of Superman. That's cool. I c- I could definitely see him him uh, taking a bite into that because I think Superman gets appropriated to be a lot of different things. Yes. Um, yeah. And there isn't necessarily a right answer as to what he's. Well, there's like a default answer as to what he's meant to be, but um, yeah. I mean, for example, the next Superman I think is going to be black, played by a black actor. So I think that'll be really interesting. Um, yeah. And is obviously a complete new direction for the character on film. Um, mm. I th- I don't know whether it's still um, Tanahisi Coates writing it or like in the writer's yeah. room, um, but he obviously did. I can't remember whether he's done Superman comics. I think he possibly has. I think uh, he did but... Captain America. Sorry? I'm pretty sure he did a run of Captain America. Yeah, people people actually... I've, I can't wade in on this at all. But obviously, Tanahisi yeah. Coates was like a very... Is a very influential writer and was writing for... Mm. I want to say The Atlantic, but I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, that um, was a New York book. Yeah. And then... Yeah, went into comics briefly, and people hated his comics. I could be over, I could be over egging that, but I remember there being some sort of like kickback against his his comics. Um, but also the people, you know, the the biggest haters of comics is probably people that read comics. Yes, a hundred percent. He did Black Panther, Black Panther comics. Um, cool. And I'm not sure what else, but he's got some cool books. Um, and I think, well, I don't know. Yeah, and he's a Captain America as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but I think he might be. I think he might be writing or helping to write. Yeah, it was at he was at the Atlantic. He might be helping to write the next Superman film. I mean, I think I'm just so like bitter, uh, not bitter, just grumpy at comics. It's something I did like, and that I don't really care what it is they do but like them having a writer like that involved in it you know what i support that that should be fun particularly if it pissed off comic yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Being, being really bitter um because i'm sick of seeing superheroes anywhere um like for yeah. me this just this exhausted with it is like what like six years old at this point yeah, I'm oh. so I'm so tuned out of it now. Um, yeah, and I think that's a good thing that people were tuning out. I, I mean, it's, it's opened the door. Movie. It's opened the door again for like there being a, a a more diverse array of films on yeah. at the cinema, and all of them are so different. And um, I mean, if I look up like what's on at view right now, I know Cocaine Bear is on. And it's not necessarily like celebrating these films as being good films. It's just like having the fucking option. Yes. Um, and like having stuff that like where the source material isn't like, you know, a comic or whatever. Like, okay, you've got Creed 3. Fucking great. Scream 6. Great. Rye Lane, new independent British film, um, who uh, one of the homies, Jay, did the poster for. Shout out to oh, Jay. No. Uh, he designed the poster for Rye Lane. Um, 65. That fucking random ass Adam Driver dinosaur film no one asked for, okay? From the writers Let's of A Quiet Place. Whatever. What the hell? Pearl. Um Oh shit, it's a Super Mario Brothers film out now. No. Can't oh, be, right? Fuck. Can't be. 
They're just listing it. It's not out yet, I don't think. Oh, it's out. Oh, it's out in like a couple of weeks. That's cool. Um, yeah, Cocaine Bear, a Dungeons and Fucking Dragons film. I um, know. Everything Everywhere All at Once is still showing. Um, yeah, so there's like such a great array of films on. And listen, yeah, it's March. Okay, the best films of the year are not out yet. They're never out yet in March. But there's some cool stuff out. Whereas I feel like, it, like especially last year, it was so dead. And there was, yeah. there was really just they were just banging them out, and just there was so many of them were fucking wank. Um, yes. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't think we really need to hammer home that point too much. We can just look at the box yeah. office of Shazam too, and we can see where the direction yeah. in which um, right, superhero yeah, IPs uh... are going. I mean, that's also probably in part due to Zachary Levi being anti-vaxxer and um, it generally looking quite shit. And also, it's yeah. Shazam, who no one cares about. No offense. Shazam. Yeah, Shazam. Whenever I played like Injustice, the fighting game, Shazam was so low on my choice of people to pick. And that's really the biggest indictment. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, Shazam, would you pick? But... The... Would you pick this fucker on Injustice? No. Why are you making a movie about him? Just out of interest, um, who's your top pick? Oh, um, Injustice Two. It'd be Swamp Thing because I'm a big Swamp Thing fan. Oh, yeah. He's. Basically, a swamp like Bigfoot, Sasquatch energy. Um, he's a big, one... he's a big sort of eco terrorist as well. Yeah, he basically he's just he based. Just, just pops up and is like, if you touch that tree, I will literally put like roots through your eyes. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll fucking smoke you. Um, yeah, and just as one, I'm afraid we live in a society because I would main Joker. Oh. Um, he had a real nice mix of like ranged moves. Um, His ranged weapons, like rolling out the fucking laughing teeth and stuff, and the gun were cool. I think, yeah, I think it's really funny in a fighting game when someone just pulls out a fucking gun. Um... <laughs> I like the bit in Injustice 2, and this is scripted, by the way, folks. If you've never played Injustice 2 or the Injustice games, I can't believe I'm contextualizing this because I've not contextualized anything else in this recording. No. Um, I'm a really bad host. Is a fighting game, and it's set, it's based on, I think it's based on comics, or they released one and then made comics. I think yeah, I think yeah. they made the first game and then made comics off the back of that, which are actually yes. pretty good. Um, where this there's like a like alternate universe or I can't even remember, but like superheroes have to fight themselves and stuff like that. And then the second one, they've all got the yeah blah blah blah. All the allegiances are weird and like Harley Quinn's a good person and whatever. Who cares? Point being, in the second one, it is a genuinely scripted event in the in the story campaign mode of that game that Batman just beats the fucking shit out of uh, Robin. Um, and I swear there's that moment where he, if you do Batman's special move, he fucking like launches him into space with the, the yeah. Batwing or whatever and then guns him with like rail guns down into the earth. Yes, um, that is something that Batman can do in that game. And you've just got to think about the psychological consequences of raising a vulnerable child as your son, and then just, just, just doing that to him. I think that really does strike at the core of why superhero stories can be really dumb. Is because, on the one hand, you have this story about an an orphaned boy raising as a as a grown man, then raising another orphan as his son to try and give him the family that this first guy was missing. For all his life and that being mm. very touching but then also they dress like stupid fucking idiots and yeah. beat the shit out of people living and then sometimes in alternate universes they try and fucking kill each other with guns and it's like okay it's, you had yeah. me the first half <laughs> you know yeah. um 
good stuff. Yeah. And I think there's also a bit in that game where, yeah, Harley Quinn joins the, the good team or whatever. Yes, of course. Batman brings her on board and is like, she's with us now. And Green Arrow and whoever are like, okay. Yeah. And then she immediately betrays them and just fucks them up. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Comic Comics are silly and that's why people love them. And it's also why people hate yeah. them in summary. Yeah. And I think what a lot of comic book films don't seem to understand is that they're not silly enough. They're just boring. Yeah, they're just boring. Um, that seems like a good place to wrap up. I have no idea how long this has been going for. I know the last one was forty minutes, so we've we've hit a good we hit a good little good little run there. Yeah, um, yeah. People people listening to this, by the way, I have questions. Like, if you listen to this. Is this what you is this what this podcast should be? Because yeah. it's very it's obviously very well my tone of my humor isn't different but like it's very different to the letters and it's I guess slightly less informative. Yeah. If this would be better off being like a structured thing with like with like actual like topics and stuff. I can do yeah. that. I have done that in the past on radio and it worked really well. It just seems to be that whenever I hop on these, we just end up chatting mad amounts of shit. And it's great. Yeah, did everyone enjoy our 10 minute digression about the ethics of boxing? Um, hey, no one asked for that. It doesn't have anything to do with Right Depot. But... A race we have, neither of us have a horse in, by the way. Yeah, and um, in casting the most rancid directors possible to direct a film, a Tolkien film. Um, yeah, amongst other highlights. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I pose this question to to our listeners: Is this a fun? Is this a fun format? Or do we need to rejig it a bit and make it a bit more sort of, a bit more sort of conventional, classic podcast type energy? Um, mm. Let me know. But that being said, Jimmy, I loved it. Thank you for thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you for thank you for Rat Depot. And Jimmy does have stuff in the pipeline for Rat Depot, um, as far as I know. Which yeah. I'll not give too much away. Um, but it sounds sounds fucking sick, uh, and it is fiction based, so um, something something fresh for the depot. Uh, yeah, so keep keep your eyes, your ears, and your tits peeled for that, and uh, we'll see you at the next one. Jimmy, do you have anything to say, or uh, do you have a, a specific sign off you'd like to do? No. Can you come up with one? Um. Uh. No. <laughs> All right. No, I can't. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs>